Welcome back to Truck Tech, everyone. Great to see you. Uh, this, is, this is a special week uh, for us here because we're coming to you live from the Advanced Clean Transportation Expo in Anaheim, California. You can't see Anaheim behind me, but you can see that uh, we are already looking ahead to next year. The key thing about the ACT Expo is its growth. It has happened uh, for a number of years. Our first guest today, Eric Nandros, is going to help us walk through how that happened, how it got to be so big. The event hit 12,000 attendees today. So uh, we're going to see just a, a little bit about that. We're also going to talk to Eric about some other issues. Um, Eric is the CEO and uh, a partner at uh, uh, Gladstein Neandros and Associates, uh, also known as GNA. I think we'll just call it that. But, uh, but basically, um, we're glad to have him. We're also going to have for you three other segments today. We're going a whole hour. We've got three more guests, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, the, the, key, the great thing about this show is uh, the opportunity to do new things. And today's one of those days. Let me invite in Eric Nina Andros. Eric, hey, good well. to see you. Thanks for coming nice by. Nice to see yeah. you. Thanks for having nice me here. Seen over a little bit. All right. So, yeah, both right. Yeah. in there. Yeah. I'm yeah. a I got a big head. So yeah, I'm, I'm a know. wide monitor. Yeah, well, the two of us together fill up the screen. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, anyway, so Eric, this is great. I really appreciate you taking the time to come by. This is a huge week for you. Um, tell us just a little bit for starters about this year's Act Expo. You gave up your old uh, venue, your old home in, in, in Long Beach, um, and you may actually not even stand here very long as it turns out. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, I was hoping maybe you could just walk us through that a little bit. Give us a little bit of history around the Act Expo. And Sure. I mean, I'll kind of go maybe back to the beginning just to, to provide that, that history. So Act Expo started in 2011, was the first show uh, that we launched. Um, that really came out of the fact that in uh, 2008, you had the Obama-era stimulus money that was pushed out into the market, and that funded a lot of natural gas trucks, hybrid trucks, some, various varieties of hybrid trucks, some, some uh, propane, you know, just sort of all the alt fuels, right? And so those trucks by 2011 had started to hit the road um, in numbers that were big enough that people started to pay attention. UPS had 150 natural gas trucks running up, up and down I-15 between Salt Lake City and, and their Ontario hub. We had put Cisco trucks in Maryland and lots of stuff in Texas and really all over the country, right? So it was the first time where this alt fuels movement really had kind of had a national presence. And so prior to Act Expo, we had run a number of regional shows here in Southern California, given the the focus and activity around alternative fuels in the Southern California market. So in 2011, we started to see more of a national level of activity. We said, hey, let's let's dial this up a little bit and and launch uh, Act Expo. So we did in 2011. We did it in Long Beach, California. Uh, we had Martin Daum and uh, the CEO of Rider Trucks that first year, which was a big get. It just happened to be um, a, a big truck project that we had put together. We had written the grant for Rider and for Daimler trucks to be sold. So they were a little bit easier to get them when you sell 260 natural gas trucks. Um, and off we went, right? And so um, ACT in the 2011 through 20, you know, 16, 18 era was pretty heavy on natural gas. And, you know, we joked that the uh, the electric crowd back then would say, ah, I'm not going to that show. It's just a natural gas truck show, right? And now, of course, the natural gas truck truck guys show up and say, ah, that's just an electric truck show, right? <laughs> <laughs> Can't make anybody up. No, it's like, hey, man, I, all I do is I put the word open sign out on the front door, right? And who shows up? It, I don't control that. It, it really is, uh, it, it's, it's symbolic of what's going on in the industry, right? I mean, you know, one of the things that happens so often with shows, I mean, you know, this, this show this year reminds me so much of an auto show. I come out of the automotive background. Yeah. The auto shows all around the world. And this show really looks like one um, yeah. up with trucks. And uh, I guess the, the, the question is usually by this time, uh, shows are beginning to lose momentum, not gain it. Mm. Right. And you went from 8,000 last year to 12,000 this year. Big enough now, you're going to Vegas next year. What's that? The mecca of all truck shows. <laughs> not truck shows, well, but all of all yeah. shows, everything. Right. And, uh, you know, I guess in one sense, I wonder why, since so much of your activity is California based, why you would want to go there necessarily, uh, except that that's the perfect place for a convention. Well, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, we, we, we'd go to, to Las Vegas next year. You know, we were in Long Beach. That was our home. That's where we launched the show. We were there for many years. We loved Long Beach. It's just a. I love Long Beach. Yeah. It's a wonderful little beach town. Um, great convention center. The people there were super. Um, 
you know, they, they treated us well. We really enjoyed the working relationship with the Long Beach Venture Center. It's just not big enough. Right. Um, and we saw that last year where we had 8,000 people. There are not 8,000 hotel rooms in Long Beach. And so people were staying far from the show and just had to drive in. And that's why we moved up the road here to, to Anaheim, have uh, some, just some more capacity, right? Sure. Um, and Vegas next year has even more capacity. So uh, we made the move, but we're going to be back here in Anaheim the year after. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one year, a one year move out to Vegas. You look maybe toe in the water, right? Okay. See. Okay. How does this work right. outside of California? Yeah. But a lot of it just really has to do with exhibit space. Um, and, um, you know, Vegas has the space. Um, we're going to come back because in 2026, 2025, the Anaheim, we could have the entire convention center. Here, oh, so. okay. Okay. And maybe you'll fill it by that time. Who knows? Oh, no question about it. We could have filled it all this year, but really, we, all, we can only get half the hall. So, did you turn people away? Uh, we have an, a wait list on the for exhibitors. Yes, we do. Wow. Yes, I need that. So it's interesting. Uh, we had breakfast with John. We don't turn him away. We put him on the wait list. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah, not this year. A way to say that. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Not artful on my part. <laughs> so, so here's, here's the thing. Uh, we had breakfast in the morning with uh, John O'Leary, who uh -huh. of course uh, is two succeed successions from Martin Dom. Yep. Uh, and John was saying this, he said, act expo is the show. We've had a number of different ones over the years, but at this point in time, this is the one that makes the big splash. That's obviously going to make you feel good, but there's more to it than that, isn't there? Well, um, we feel very fortunate that uh, our show is, you know, there's a little bit of the right right place at the right time, even yep. given what's going on in the industry. Uh, you know, obviously the the investment these days by all the OEMs is happening in this electrification move to zero, hydrogen fuel cell, battery electric, autonomy connected, right? That's that's where the money is. Um it was the old bank robbers, so why do you rob banks, right? Because that's where the money is. Yeah, was, is that was Eddie uh, um, Sutton or whatever. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're fortunate that that the show is the the place where we can showcase all the latest technology and innovation right. and the, the cutting edge. And that's part of it. Um, the other parts of it, in my opinion, are, one, the fleet customers have, since about 2018, we saw a real significant jump Um where they began to really dive deep into sustainability mm -hmm. and carbon and and developing. If you look at 2018 through today, you can kind of map out um, the 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 number of commitments that have been made by the big corporations. You know, I'll just use Pepsi because they're a great example, right? I mean, sure. they have a 2030, 2040 carbon reduction goal. That translates into I have to go out and buy a lot of very, very low carbon trucks, right? Mm -hmm. Just essentially zero emission trucks. So right. not only do we have the sellers, the technology developers and sellers, i.e. OEMs, wanting to develop and provide this product to the market, but you have the buyers saying, I want to buy it. Mm -hmm. um, and then you throw $30 billion a year of federal incentive money into the pot that'll help move that conversation along well it's like kindling at least yeah, right exactly <laughs> a, little, a little gasoline i guess we call yeah, it uh, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. um and uh we also have the regulatory uh environment that is really making sure that uh the buyer and seller commitments to the product will will happen right mm -hmm. and carb is obviously pushing as, as hard as anybody well, stick and carrot right i mean both you know they're yeah. telling you what the rule is and then they are saying, here's somebody to help you along the way, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's obviously going on. So, uh, you know, that's uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, the way we've positioned it and the way we write about it is that you, you've got both. Yeah. You know, but uh, yep. so I guess I, in California, you know, kind of is the epicenter of emissions work. And you've kind of described it that way. You're a major player here. How is it that, um, how is your role? Uh, you know, uh, I just like to get your perspective on these regulations that, mm. you know, as of last Friday, you know, no turning back, right? I mean, probably. Um, there are some that probably will, uh, will ask for the court's assistance to maybe turn things back. Okay. Uh, whether or not they will be successful is TBD. Yep. Um, I get asked that question a lot, right? Is, oh, well, aren't the courts going to enjoin the rule and throw it out? I said, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. Um, I took this job 24 years ago, avoiding the old, going to law school. So I, I'm not <laughs> going to give you a professional opinion on that. Okay. Um, but if you look at the history of CARB's rules and regulations, whether they be um, on-road, off-road, truck and bus, TRU, LCFS, 
I, I don't know the exact score, but I think that the Carb Legal team is close to undefeated. Mm. Let's use a quick, uh, uh, we, we some some terms there, record, some acronyms. Low carbon fuel standard. Yep. Um, what were the other ones that you mentioned? I just want to make sure that the, the audience is. Yeah. So the California truck and bus rule was right. the big one that right. uh, ended actually just this last year. And that was the one that forced any pre-10 model year 2010 engines off the road in California. So yep. that everything was at least that 0.2 gram standard and and, and cleaner. Um, uh, what did I say? LCFS, truck and yep. bus, um, TRU, the, the right. refrigerated trailer yep. rule. Yep. Um, That's a big, they're big players at your show. They, yeah, they, yeah. They well, have a morning uh, of program, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, got a lot of inquiries from those folks about you know, um, come come talk about us, talk to us. You know, that's yeah. Well, then again, you have you have that dynamic where you've got the technology developers, right? You got mm-hmm. Thermal King and all the rest of them, Carrier, yep. et cetera. Yep, they're making this product to electrify and be able to plug it in. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the customers, right? The Cisco U.S. Foods, and yep. they're trying to electrify their fleet and hit their sustainability targets. And so mm-hmm. they say, "Hey, I can't have an electric truck with a diesel genset." Right, 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 right. right. Exactly. Diesel TRU. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they kind of want the whole package, and then we've got you know funding that will help move this along, and then you've got the regulations that that, that, that backstop that CARB has. So, um, so yeah. Well, it, you, you personally though have a have a background. You've spent more than fifteen years with this. Uh, was it basically clean air activity here in, in oh, yeah. California, right? Yeah. So, so you're pretty familiar with it. You've got a, how, how big is GNA anyway? Uh, we're about 105 people at GNA. Okay. Yep. And so you guys are experts in a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you track as well as advise and things like that. In fact, I, one of the questions I, I didn't ask earlier and I should have is, is there any part of the act expert you guys don't touch? <laughs> I mean, your, your media guys do a great job. Yeah. And I know you advise some of the, some of these folks that are clients as well as, you know, yeah. Uh, this will sound weird, but Act Expo is sort of on the side, right? Really? Um, well, n- no, because it it's, like it's it. big. <laughs> I know. Um, our core business is, is a consulting business. So we work for the truck manufacturers. We work for the big corporate fleets and helping them to kind of navigate these issues. And right. a lot of that work these days is, okay, I have a carbon reduction goal. How do I meet it? Right. And so we'll help look at the fleet. And and go through all that. We'll ha- we'll help them to figure out how do we get some of the incentives to help pay for it, right? Sure. So let's tap into the the money that's out there. And these days, particularly with ACF, we're getting a lot of requests. Say, hey, I need a compliance plan. How do I deal with this? What do I do with my fleet? Um, and so we have a team, a regulatory compliance team. So we do all that. But ultimately, our our, our kind of GNA mission is how do we put clean trucks on the road running at scale in a commercial operation and do that successfully, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's really where ACT comes in. It's like we're going to provide this as an education forum so that you can see and touch and feel all the product. We want to give you the education and the content side to here's the regulations that you have to deal with. If you're not familiar, here's all the funding that's out there and here's how you kind of navigate it. Here's some fleet case studies. That's that really is. I think number one for us is that peer to peer learning mm-hmm. is to say, Hey, I'm a fleet. I've done this. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. You can learn from me. So you don't repeat the mistakes I made. Just right. take the good stuff and, and really try to help accelerate. Cause we're ultimately, we're trying to put more trucks on the road, successfully with all this cool technology. Okay. You just use it out of an acronym. I'm not going to, you know, that's okay. But, but it's all right. Advanced uh, Clean Fleet. Right? Yeah. ACF. Advanced Clean Fleet. Right. Yep. Uh, let's talk for a minute about that. Then we'll talk about your perspective. And then I want you to mm-hmm. perspective on the uh, uh, clean truck rule. That, because mm-hmm. there, that, that's two of the three pieces. Two or more than three. I mean, you know, the, the FP, EPA is sort of driving the bus to a point on NOx. Mm-hmm. There I go, right? Yep. I can the boxes. Anyway. Mission standards. Yeah. Okay. Mission standards. Good job. Uh, so so I guess I want to talk for a minute or have you hear from you about the advanced uh, clean fleet rule yep. uh, perspective and, and that sort of thing. And then let's talk about uh, uh, clean trucks. Okay. Clean truck rule. Yep. All right. Cool. My perspective? Your perspective. <laughs> I don't have one. Um, <laughs> so um, just maybe back up one one step and we're going to talk about ACT as well, which is the advanced clean truck rule. That's, yes. Okay. Right? So right. CARB has said, truck manufacturers, you must sell increasing percentage of your annual sales must be zero emissions. And as we move forward year by year, those numbers ratchet up. And CARB's goal is ultimately that 100% of all vehicles being sold, including commercial trucks, are going to be zero emission. And so they said, well, we can have a requirement that you sell, but it would really be helpful to meet that goal, the requirement, if we also had a rule that said thou shalt buy zero emission trucks, right? So you're forcing the buyer and the seller interaction. Free to market, right? A hundred percent. And so ACF or Advanced Clean Fleet is the fleet purchasing side of their 
two-part rule and says uh, fleets that are 50 trucks or more or do $50 million of revenue per year, and that's on a national basis, not just in California, if you have operations in California, you must start buying zero emission trucks as an increasing percentage of your fleet. Um, and it's not a percentage of your annual buy. Right. It's by date, say, uh, I'll just take the class eight category, tractor category. Mm-hmm. Um, 10% of your fleet must be zero emissions. 10% of your California fleet must be zero emissions. So it's not 10% of your 2027 buy, it's by 2027, by January 1st, 2027, 10% of your fleet must be zero emission. So, um, and that will increase up to uh, increasing percentages and it's it's done by category. So it's class 2B, mm-hmm. so pickup trucks up yep. to class A tractors and everything in between. So it is very comprehensive. Um well, what we're hearing, you know, just to, to interject, what we're hearing is you can get the trucks pretty easily, pretty short lead window. You know, uh, uh, Makisha Dia said the other day from Daimler, yep. and get you an E-Cascadia, Class 8 E-Cascadia in five months. Mm-hmm. If you need a substation built to get your power to the door, that's five years. That's right. That's a mis- mismatch. How do we how do we get those hmm. too closer together? Yeah. Um, well, you know, one of the things that we hear every day is go talk to your utility early, right? right. Okay, we yeah. get that. I've but, heard that, yeah. Um, I, was, I was talking to one of our fleet customers and they said, you know what? And they've committed already to buy 800 trucks. It would be Cisco. So I, no, no, you don't <laughs> say that, but I did. All right. They said, look, don't go talk to your utility early. Go talk to your utility, but have a plan and say, uh-huh. this is what I need, Okay, right? Um, and in a case where, you know, Hypothetically, if you're going to buy 800 trucks and put them at 10 different sites around the country, and you took your plan for each of those sites and the number of trucks to the utility in those areas, maybe five of them would say, we need a new transformer that's going to be five years. Mm-hmm. Three of them might say, I can do this in six months and I need to you know, do X, Y, and Z. And you, you know, go be prepared. Mm-hmm when you go talk to your utility early. That was the message. I thought that was a good message. So that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Part of it is clearly we need um, some acceleration on the utility side. One of the things that I find very interesting is we are um, at this this point where transportation and um, the utility world are now colliding. Right. And that that's never happened before because transportation goes to the energy providers like Chevron and Shell and, and others that, that supply sure. products, you know, via truck, right? Yep. And so, yep. um, this intersection of electric utilities and and uh, and transportation is it's a pretty interesting moment in time, right? Right. So, well, and it's going to have to, you know, and we see the same thing in hydrogen, right? I mean, uh, you know, the the trailing uh, effect. Uh, a lot, I I wrote this morning, you know, hydrogen uh, may be coming of age at this show. I mean, we can mm. add some hydrogen <laughs> stuff before, but. Uh, enough that somebody I didn't mention complained about it. So, you know, there's enough going on yeah. that, uh, you know, we, we're, we're seeing that, but we also have that gap between the infrastructure uh, build out, uh, build, if you will, and and the trucks, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, but it is something that seems to be sort of the, the, the catch, if you will, uh, right now in terms of, you know, making this work. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how hydrogen develops. Right. We had right. uh, Packar announced both the, oh. on the Peterbilt and Kenworth side. Um, they're commercialized, uh, available for sale, ready to take orders today, fuel cell tractor. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the Nikola uh, announcement that happened uh, prior. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm blanking on one more. Yeah, um, uh, well, Exion uh, uh, from Hyundai. Yeah, the Hyundai one. Right. Hyundai. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Those are the three that that I kind of focus on because it, you know you did get some infrastructure work with out of Volterra, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're going to hear more about that in a little bit. Um, but you know we're we're uh, uh, you, you know we're clearly seeing some some bigger moves, right? Yeah. So and so Eric, we're we're running out of time. I'm I just think it's interesting to have you to see what this show has become. Um, where does it go? Just keep getting bigger. <laughs> Um, a lot of people have been asking, what are the numbers going to be like next year? Right. So, oh, yeah, my we Raise my hand. <laughs> I, I, I hope that the people that came this year come back next year. And if we do better than that, that's going to be great. But, yeah. um, you know, like we talked about kind of early, early in the, in the conversation here, um, there's a lot of investment happening, right. right. Um, and there's a lot of interest and I think that that will continue to grow. Um, 
every day, every week, every month, every year. Right. So, you know, right. next year's show, um, we have twice the amount of space. We're going to be in Vegas uh, where we can accommodate a, a, a much larger crowd. Sure. And so, yeah, we think we're, we're planning on that um, and expect the show floor is just going to be even more mind blowing than it is here today, which is which is Pretty exciting. Mind-blowing, yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's All really right, Eric, thank you so hey. much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks We're for having on. me. Well, there's more stuff. Cool. Sounds good. Show. I got to get thank back you. to work. All right, thanks, thanks sir. All right, bye bye. All right, folks, we have more show to come. Typically, we're a half an hour. Today, we're running an hour. We've got some more stuff for you, and uh, we're going to get started with that uh, right now. One of the announcements, Eric just mentioned, it was the Nicola and Volterra announcement. Um, we had an opportunity to catch up with Matt Horton and with um, and with uh, 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 Carrie Mendez from uh, Nicola. Here, take a look. Well, welcome back to Truck Tech. I'm here with uh, with Matt Horton, the uh, founding CEO of Volterra. Now, Volterra is a company that would fit in that space of new companies that is looking to make a difference in terms of infrastructure around electric uh, transportation. So, Matt. Thanks for being here. Yeah, let's see. T- tell me a little bit more. Tell the audience a little more about the company. Be glad to. So, Volterra is a, somewhat of a new company with a long operating history. Uh, about a year ago, we officially launched this new business. Uh, we did it in partnership with a big private equity group and infrastructure fund called EQT Partners uh, that have given us a multi-billion-dollar equity commitment. Uh, and we spun out a team from EdgeConnects, a data center developer uh, affiliated with with them as well. Uh, to give us the background and experience in providing power to sites that we control and operate. The company is in business to help make electrification as simple as possible for all sorts of commercial vehicles, fleets of all kinds. So we find great pieces of property, we build, own, operate, bring power to the sites, uh, and then we manage those sites in the long term on behalf of of our uh, customers who are looking to charge fleets of vehicles. Okay. So give me an update. We talked about a year ago yeah. uh, when you were just getting started, kind of coming out of stealth. Uh, give me an update. Have you acquired some properties? Are you in the ground with some stuff? Yeah, we've, we've been very active, uh, have, have uh, deployed capital across a number of different states. We're in, I believe, 12 different regional markets today. We've got uh, several great customers that we're doing multiple sites with right now. Uh, but we are, uh, again, very active in deploying capital. And we've got several sites under development. Uh, the next couple of those will come live uh, later this year. You, you, uh, you've got some stuff in the ground already. You've got some partnerships. That's great. You also this week announced something uh, that's probably critical for Nikola, which is the backing of 50 of their hydrogen stations. Tell me about that. How did that come together? And are you confident that Nikola will, in fact, be here yeah. to do it? Yes. So great question. We are really excited about this new partnership we've developed. Uh, we've long been looking at the needs of customers in the long-haul trucking space in particular. We hear from a lot of them that battery electric vehicles are great uh, for some applications, but there are lots of places where they're going to need hydrogen fuel cell-powered trucks to be able to complete their mission. So we've been watching this for a long time. We've decided that we're going to make a big play in the hydrogen space. So as we're developing electric vehicle charging stations for these big trucks, we're also going to be hosting hydrogen at the same sites. Uh, we were really excited about meeting the new team at Nikola, uh, folks that have long experience uh, in the hydrogen space that have joined the company, uh, and they're the spin out of or this building of their hydrogen brand, uh, Hyla. So we're really excited about working with them to roll out Hyla branded sites at a number of our our facilities, and we will be hosting uh, the initial target is fifty of those, which would be one of the largest uh, efforts of its kind in building out hydrogen fueling infrastructure for commercial. How long have you been talking to them? Because, you know, uh, in the early, early days, there were going to be 700 yeah. stations and then it was going to be 60, which is the number they announced. I believe Nikola has four in the ground now or on the underway. And uh, so you're making up the bulk of the rest of those, right? Um, originally, the number was around 17 million a station. Is that still a good guess? Good guesswork for a station? We think that is still in the right ballpark. 15 to $20 million is what we've estimated. Uh, that's in addition to the charging uh, deployments we'll be doing at the same sites. Uh, to answer your other question, uh, I've, I've known the Nikola team since 2016, i been watching them a very long time. Uh, over the last couple of years, I've gotten to know the new management and a lot of the new leadership at the company. And uh, we started shortly after we got put Voltaire together. One of my first calls was to talk to Nikola and see what they were doing and get the updates. Uh, very excited about the new direction with the Hyla brand. Again, it's going to be open to all fuel cell electric trucks. So not just the Nikola trucks, but uh, a, a broad uh, segment from all auto OEMs. So again, as a brand to have on our site, 
we really like uh, what Hila brings to the table and Nicola's part. Well, and, and Hila or Nicola has basically been been sort of doing a lot of the ground with the spade work, if you will, to to find places to get hydrogens. They're working with Plug. They're working in the Midwest. They're doing a lot of things. I presume that's their contribution to this because they're not rolling in money. And so the idea would be that this is what they bring is apparently the availability of hydrogen, you know, getting it to your sites and, and that sort of thing. That's right. Their team has done a great job of laying a lot of the groundwork for both hydrogen supply as well as early site development and a number of sites. Uh, so we're glad to be able to step in and help accelerate the deployments of, of those, uh, those infrastructure sites uh, and uh, work with them for their expertise on the hydrogen sourcing uh, and uh, delivery. Yeah. The, um, the, the, the Volterra name isn't that well known. There's so many volts. There was a GM Chevy Volt. There was, a, right. there was a, volt, a lot of volts out there. Are you having issues around the name or around your name? Not really. Uh, you know, what we do, the thing that we do uh, that we really focus on is power, bringing power to the site. So the company's full name is Volterra Power. Uh, we think that the future for transportation is going to be all electric. Uh, so volts obviously are a big part of that, but uh, we think that the electric powertrain will be the winning technology in this space, and we think a balanced bet on uh, battery electric as well as fuel cell electric is the right way to go. It, again, it's what we hear from a lot of the truck customers out there. Uh, so again, our name should uh, hopefully, uh, for everyone, reinforce the idea that we're our specialty is finding great sites and bringing power to those sites uh, to provide uh, energy for zero emission electric vehicles. Well, clearly, getting the hydrogen there as difficult as that can be is nothing like the trenching and some of the work that goes on in, in, in battery electric, yeah. uh, you know, preparations. Um, are you confident that you can sort of go in step with the development out, you know, uh, uh, Nicholas looking at Q4 for trucks, beginning of trucks. Uh, we had an announcement this week already from, from Hyundai, uh, about the, uh, the Exion coming here, 30 trucks to start with. Uh, and that's sort the of thing. So you're, you're in business for all of them. Yeah, that, that's right. We we are big believers in in the future uh, of of hydrogen. Now, I've been a skeptic a lot of my career, uh, going back many many years. But the the conditions are right now. A lot of government support, a lot of customer interest. Uh, the timeline to do this is compressed. Uh, but we think by working with Nikola, helping step into a lot of work they've already done, we can't accelerate that uh, that timeline. Make sure that the infrastructure will be ready as the vehicles really start to roll out. We also liked uh, that. What we saw with uh, with Nikola that their work on mobile fueling, so they've got some uh, great ability to be able to get customers started uh, while the infrastructure, the permanent infrastructure, is being completed. Right? Are we still looking at twenty twenty six for? Yeah, that was the the date they gave for sixty stations. That sound right to you? Uh, well, our our agreement is uh, it's a five year agreement, so <laughs> maybe a little longer than that before we'll get the fifty that we're going to be doing together. Uh, but you know, we, we think that again, the market conditions seem to be right to. To go as fast as we can for that target. When would you expect the first uh, the first station? Probably next year. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're we're uh, stepping into a number of those activities right now, and just given the timelines that uh, we all understand in this business, uh, we are we're targeting next year for. And obviously, California is a big starting point. Yeah, for for our company, that's been a primary focus. Uh, Nicola similarly focused on California. We are doing a lot of our initial work there, but it's not limited to California. We're doing work a bunch of other states as well. Uh, so, yeah, you will see us uh, with a lot of California news. Yeah. Let me get you out of here in this one. And that is, yeah. that is simply the idea that there's a lot of incentives, especially on the machine side, on the, on the truck side. How are you situated to, to attract incentives for the work you're doing? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, we uh, think that the incentives that have been made available are going to be a big accelerator uh, from infrastructure tax credits, other local incentives to deploy infrastructure. Uh, so we are working on that now, working with uh, the Nikola team as well. Uh, we're really excited. Uh, new members joined our team, Tom Ashley, joining us from Shell, uh, who uh, has a long career in uh, government relations, utility relations, and that'll be one of his primary uh, work streams is, uh, is chasing down those incentives. Matt, thanks so much for being on Truck Tech. Be here. All right. Thank you. Welcome back to Truck Tech. Uh, our segment this time is going to focus on some news that occurred here yesterday. Uh, at the uh, Advanced Clean Transportation Expo. We are talking with Kerry Mendez. Uh, Kerry is the other side of what we just saw with Matt Horton from Volterra. And uh, Kerry, great to see you again. Last time was on TV. We've never met in person. Good to see you. Um, want to talk to you a little bit about the announcement. Um, this is big. You have said 
60 stations by 2026. You may or may not get quite to 60, but it sounds like a pretty positive move for you. It's a great move, right? And the thing I'm most excited about with Volterra is that they share a very similar set of culture and values with us. And what I mean by that is they place a great deal of emphasis on speed to the customer, as do we, right? Our business model is getting our hydrogen trucks on the road quickly. We need to sell trucks, we need to get them into customers' hands. Volterra is very, very similarly set up in terms of how they look at the market, in terms of deploying infrastructure very quickly. So that's the thing I like best about them. It's not only the capital, but it's the culture they have, which is getting to market. Sure. Matt said today he's been following Nicholas since 2016, and uh, he's worked a lot with you. You're part of the new, a newer part of the management team, of the executive team. And he's uh, you know been working with you, I think, for really a couple of years. They came out of Stealth a year ago. And, you know, apparently you're all already discussing this. And when you put out your 60 number, you had something in, in mind, I say. We did. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, for me coming into Nikola, it's, uh, you know, we have to have credibility around these numbers and these targets, right? And to get it, a lot of our capital is going into our trucks. So for the infrastructure side, is very partner-based. Getting partners on the production side is for offtake. And we're getting production partners uh, across America, across Canada. Same thing on the station side. You know, our estimates around station cost, uh, you know, it's going to be somewhere between 10 to 20 million per station, depending on songs. Right. So you 60 of them, that gets to be a pretty big number. Right. Um, so we need partners who are very keen to partner with us to get that infrastructure deployed. And then I think the, the, the synergies come from the fact that I think Volterra has experience on permitting, on power, siting locations. Right. And we've got expertise in where the customer is going to park their trucks to fuel. Yeah, I was going to say, one of the things that it feels like you're bringing to this that, you know, they don't have is all the work, spade work, if you will, that's gone into finding partners who will get hydrogen. You know, there's Fortescue, there's there's Plug Power, there's others that you're working with. That seems to be one of the things you're bringing is the uh, creation of the hydrogen, really, you know, that, you know, to get them hydrogen. Um, of course, these will be paired or part of uh, battery electric charging stations. Exactly. Um and it's apparently uh, anybody can come and take part. You know, it's not it's not just for your trucks. Yeah. And look, I'm not a big believer in, in a, an emerging ecosystem. Uh, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So there'll be plenty of time for good competition down the road. If we don't get the model up by helping others succeed right now. Um, so if a competitor's truck shows up to our station, love to sell them hydrogen. Because that means the flywheel is turning. More customers are buying hydrogen trucks. There's more hydrogen to be consumed. Which over the long run for us means prices are coming down, costs are coming down, and you're making it more affordable for consumer. Right. I, I guess I have to ask, though, so with your BP background, yeah. and, and I'm the only one who probably believes this, I kept thinking BP would come in in some fashion yeah. because there were discussions originally with BP. I don't know if you, you were at Nikola at the time. I don't think you were. No. Uh, but there was discussions about them being a station partner. You probably need more than 60 stations someday. So there are other opportunities, I presume, like with a BP, for, for instance? Well, you know, I think we're, we're talking to a number of partners. Uh, you know, I came from BP. BP is a great, innovative company. They're doing a lot of stuff that's very cutting edge in this space of electrification, hydrogen renewables, right? But I think the world has changed over the last few years, and companies like BP, they're really looking to aggressively get into this market. Um, and I think there's partners in that space, you know, oil and gas companies coming into the space. Um, there's fuel station operators that are also very keen to get um, a diversified portfolio, diesel, gasoline, electric, and hydrogen. So the biggest thing for me, I think, over the last years, especially since the Inflation Reduction Act, a lot of those people have come off the fence now, uh, and they're very, very eager to partner with us. And the reason is because this truck here is going to be first of its kind on a commercial scale in the market. So if you're producing hydrogen or you're producing electricity and you want a demand to soak that up, we represent one of the first type of end use cases that's coming to the market at scale. Right. So, you know, they look around and they say, Nicola, you'd be a great partner for us. Um, and the energy experience we bring on our team, uh, we come from all over the industry, I think enables us to partner with people very easily because we're experts in the energy space. We right. know what it takes. Well, and I think one of the things that, you know, maybe I'm the only one who believes this too, is that, you know, Nicola is taking on an awful lot at one time. I mean, there's a part of the business that also, you know, need some attention. I promised you I wouldn't get into that, and I won't. But I think that, you know, there's a lot happening here. And what's happening with Volterra is something that, you know, is obviously a great check mark for now, you know, to to move you towards one of the goals that you set up publicly. 
It, it really is. And that's why we're so excited about this as a partnership. Uh, it's they bring the capital, um, they bring the energy and they bring the speed to market that I got. So that for me is, you know, a partner is great, but if a partner is looking to deploy that capital five years from now, it doesn't do me a lot of good when we're looking to put up five stations in California if you're over the next year, right? Right. So I think, I think their speed to market is, is a big thing. Um, I think they, they've got lots of experience. EQT, who's their backer. Um, I think they're a very progressive fund. You know, they're looking to deploy things. Well, they're possibly. patient. We know that. And that's, that's right. what it takes, right? That's I mean, right. they can't just you know, yank the money away uh, once, once they, I guess yeah. I could, but it wouldn't. Anyway, uh, Terry, I think that kind of wraps this one up. Thank you so much. Great to see you in person this time instead of just over the screen. Um, and uh, thanks for being part of Shark Tech this week. Sounds good, Ed. Thank you. Good to you. Since we taped that interview uh, a couple of days ago, uh, we've seen Nikola make two more announcements, uh, one for an order of 50 hydrogen uh, fuel cell trucks and another for 13 battery-powered uh, tray models that uh, startup uh, truck as a service uh, uh Watt EV is going to uh, purchase. Watt, as you may remember, started out with about 50 Volvo VNRs. So another major player um, in hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles coming to the U.S. is South Korea's uh, Hyundai Motor. We caught up with two of their top fleet execs, Mark Freimuller and Ken Ramirez. Here you go. Hey, welcome back to Truck Tech. You know, one of the biggest stories here at the ACT Expo this week is Hyundai and the Exian fuel cell truck behind me. This truck, when it comes here uh, in the second half of the year, 30 of them into the port of Oakland, is going to be probably the most important uh, and, and biggest experiment with fuel cell trucks going on. I want to bring in Mark Freimiller, the Senior Vice President of Commercial Vehicle Innovation at Hyundai, to talk about what the Exeunt means. And then we'll follow with his colleague, Ken Ramirez, to talk a little bit about hydrogen infrastructure questions. Why don't you come on in, Mark? Thanks for being here. Thanks for being sure. on Truck Tech. We are uh, obviously excited to be here in Anaheim. This is a, a big moment for you guys. Uh, you know, why don't you take us through a little bit of the progression of the Exeunt for the U.S. market? That, I mean, we have um, already quite good experience with the Exeunt in Europe. As you know, we have 4 million miles already done in customer operation as we speak. Um, the customer feedback is very good and... Uh, especially from the drivers, the feedback is extremely well. So we're now happy to launch the truck as well in the United States. And with the truck you see here, that's uh, our first couple of units arriving then in the second half of this year. Port of Oakland, you mentioned it already. We're pretty proud of having this very well orchestrated uh, setup, so to say, to get this vehicle into operation and uh, also secure the whole hydrogen value chain to have the vehicles in operation. Right. Well, obviously, the Oakland project was partly hydrogen and partly trucks. Right. You got to have both. They're not going to work well uh, apart from each other. So when you are looking now at what happens uh, after Oakland, I mean, those are going to be run in, in the port, drainage, things like that. They're not going to go the full 500 miles that they could go, right? I mean, or are they going to be fueled to run that long yeah. and then come back and get fueled? Yeah, we have about 400 miles of, miles of range, and that's the beauty of fuel cell trucks because whatever the range is, it doesn't take that long to get back to the full range, right? It's just a couple of minutes of, sure. of refueling. So that's the beauty of, uh, of shoot cell trucks. But yeah, beyond that, I mean, we have another um, five vehicles then in an uh, EPA funded uh, project and uh, we're, we're basically ready to deploy more vehicles there. Now you told me if I wanted to buy an Exia today, I'm not going to, but you told me I could, that, that yes. we could go ahead and order it and have it here. But obviously there is a gap and that is assuring the infrastructure of the exactly. hydrogen. Exactly. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole point. The truck is as nice as it is. It's basically useless if there's no hydrogen supply, right? So we need to be sure that whatever, and we get a lot of interest from customers, but wherever that is, we need to figure out where should the truck be operated and what kind of hydrogen supply is possible there. Is there an infrastructure already set up? And if not, we need to team up with the right partners to make that happen and take care of the whole ecosystem, right. so to say. Right, right. The, um, the the idea, and I wrote this months ago, when you, when these trucks get here, you're basically the instant leader in the U.S. market in fuel cells. We have yeah. other competitors, Nikola, Hyzon, and others that are, you know, working to get trucks out there. And, mm. and you know, uh, I think Nikola probably will maybe get them out. But I you so. are actually bringing ready-made trucks. These are built. Yeah. They're, they're ready to come in. Uh, how do you advance from here in terms of letting the world know that you have a hydrogen 
alternative available? Well, I think events like this, interviews like this, will help us to 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 bring the message across. But I think we have a pretty well, pretty good reputation now based on what we did in Europe, and we just make the make need to make the transition basically to get that message across in the U.S. as well. It's not a test demo; it's uh, it's basically a, a reliable truck with proven technology out there now available in the U.S. as well. Now, I don't want to go too deep for our audience, but let's talk a little about technology. These are Nexo fuel cells, two of them, is that correct? Yes, correct. Talk me through a little bit of capability of the truck, if you would. Yeah, so the, the fuel cell system is, as you said, two, um, two um, Nexo fuel cell stacks, so proven technology here as well, supported by a 72-kilowatt-hour uh, um, battery as well. We're going to be working on it. We have uh, 10 tanks of hydrogen at a 700 bar pressure level, um, providing some uh, 68 kilograms of, of hydrogen, which leads us to a, a range fully loaded of about 400 miles. Okay, I'm fully loaded in this case, Mark. 82,000. 82,000. Oh. You should get 2,000 pounds of grace for uh, the extra weight, right? So so the weight of the truck, you know, of course, gross weight without a trailer is what? 28,000. 28,000. So that is, uh, that's considerable, but yeah. the, the fact is that you're still going to have plenty of cargo space, 50, 60,000 pounds. Yeah. So okay. tell me real quick, and then I'm going to uh, let you go, but tell me a little bit about customer contacts uh, in this country. Now, we are still getting there, but I think people yeah. are taking hydrogen and fuel cells very seriously now. Talk a little bit, if you can, about your customer contacts and potential customers. Yeah. I mean, uh, without naming the potential customers, we get a lot of interest. And uh, I think in the U.S., uh, in, in Europe, it's it's a little bit, uh, uh, they're, they're more looking into the, 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 the zero emission part of heavy duty trucking, but it's getting more interested in the, interesting in the, uh, in the U.S. as well. Um, our, our customers are really looking for a zero emission possibility for heavy duty trucking. And um, some studies say that by 2035-ish, um, basically there will be more zero emission trucks than diesel trucks in the market. Some states will be on the forefront of that, and I think California is probably one of them where you see a even quicker development of that. But um, it's I think in, in times of driver shortage, not only this zero emission part, but it's more comfortable to ride actually mm -hmm. with the zero with not only zero emission, but like I said, less uh, vibration, less noise. A very good point for the Let me let you go on this one, and that is incentives. Obviously, these are very expensive yeah. trucks, much more expensive than a diesel. Uh, probably, oh, well, quite a bit more expensive even than a battery electric. Uh, incentive environment, especially in California, is pretty good. $288,000, uh, you know, from the HVIP program, the California HVIP. Uh, other uh, incentives that are helping make this happen? Well, we got some incentives as well, especially in the Oakland Sport Project. I mean, in the NorCal Zero Project, also from uh, from the uh, air quality district management, uh, which helps us support uh, the, the, the truck price or the TCO for the end customer as well. Right. So there are not only federal dollars, but also local uh, local support. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely. So Ken Ramirez, thank you for uh, joining us on Truck Tech. It is important to understand the bigger picture of hydrogen, and this is what you do. I think you are best to say your title. Tell us a little bit about how you came to this. Sure. Thank you so much, Helen. It's a pleasure to be here with you in California. A bit chilly today, but that's okay. You feel it. Um, I just want to share, I think, a little bit more of the vision, as you said, for all of us globally. So my title is Executive Vice President of Global Commercial Vehicle and Hydrogen Business. And that's the short version. It's harder to say all of it because, in fact, what we see today is, of course, the news about the truck, the tractor that we introduced, production version for U.S. of our hydrogen fuel cell exient truck. Uh, but beyond that, we also look at the whole hydrogen ecosystem. And I think this is a bigger uh, message. It was a very important one for us because here today we're uniquely positioned to cover all the value chain of the hydrogen ecosystem. And that means that, of course, the truck, our beautiful tractor, is an enabler of the complete ecosystem. But as you mentioned before and talked with uh, all of our teams, the hydrogen production hydrogen distribution is a very important part of the whole operation. And for us, we are also focused on this area. 
and uh, we will be making some more activities to broaden this. We do today already. In fact, this is not just a vision or an idea. We do it in Korea, where we have already waste to energy approach, producing green hydrogen, biogas, and we distribute it and then also then go the whole value chain operation. Now, you, uh, um, you have a name up here, H2. Oh, yeah. That's actually your brand for all hydrogen activity. Is that correct? It's a very good point. Thank you so much for bringing that up. So H2 is our brand name for our hydrogen fuel cell business. Fuel cells are the core part of the vehicle technology, and it has been the core part of our activity of development for 20 years. Started with passenger vehicles, and that fuel cell systems, often referred to as a stack, but it's beyond that. That is the core, the heart of the fuel cell vehicles. That is our business as well. We sell fuel cell systems to other uh, operations, including off-road, marine operations, or even uh, stationary power operations. So like data it. centers and that sort of thing. We do it for power systems instead of generators. So anything that you can replace a, uh, let's say, ice-based power generation, you can do with our fuel cell system. So that is a core business as well. That's why H2 is on the side of the truck, as you can see uh, here. And that part of the business will be continuing or further. Uh, beyond that, the whole ecosystem is built around the hydrogen fuel cell system that builds the vehicle, which is an enabler to utilize the full ecosystem. Got it. Got it. Well, this is helpful, I think, for our audience to begin to understand not only that there's a gap between vehicles and hydrogen, but also the, the hydrogen production. You're engaged in it. You're doing green hydrogen electrolyzers and other technologies, I presume. Um, there's a, a discussion point around sort of creating a logistical uh, approach mm -hmm. through your future Georgia plant in the in the U.S. Can you talk about that a little bit, how you're going to map sure. that? Sure. I mean, this is a very natural step for us because we can do it. We do it already in other places. And so our new Georgia plant will include as well a logistics ecosystem based on hydrogen, which means that we will manage the inbound and outbound logistics, including vehicle transportation to the port with hydrogen-powered trucks. Oh, okay. Including our system to, to do so. All of this is our vision that will become reality. It's already reality in other operations, but here particularly is applied to a manufacturing environment where we have the whole ecosystem for logistics. So we call that the zero emission logistics uh, project there. So as this plant comes online, you can look for Exeunts to be doing a lot of the inbound and outbound uh, transport needs and things like that. So you're going to, I think Volvo does this with its electric trucks, with its, with its beds up in Virginia. And so you plan the same thing in, in Georgia. Some of your first customers are yourself. Yeah. Well, certainly we don't talk about competitors, but no. we can say that we I do. do. <laughs> you can for sure. But we can certainly talk about what we do. I think that we are pioneers in this, no matter how the, the element of it. No, but you can see that we are pioneering the direction with the trucks, with the ecosystem. And then, of course, logistics is a natural evolution for that sure. to go with our industrial operations. Right. Right. Ken, thanks so much for being part of Truck Tech today. Have a great show. Uh, it's and, a great uh, pleasure, Alan. Look forward, uh, look forward to seeing you again. It's a great pleasure. All right. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. So finally, we caught up with Dan Barrel, who is the uh, Israeli uh, startup re-automotive, uh, different technology. Take a look. Welcome back to Truck Tech, everyone. A little noisier in this segment, but you know what? We're happy to be here again with Daniel Barrel from re-automotive. Dana, great to see you again. We haven't been together since last summer when you were out there with EVAX at uh, the American Center for Mobility. Uh, had a great opportunity to learn about the recorder and some of the stuff we're working on. But I think it's really important for the audience that you walk us through kind of where things have come from and where we are now. Absolutely. And thank you for having me. It's always fun. You're welcome. Uh, so what we're doing in a nutshell, as you remember, we're developing a bi-wire system that allows us to drive vehicles, trucks, electric vehicles. So we build electric vehicles from class three to class five now. And back a year ago in in, in Harbor when we met, uh, we presented the uh, what we call the P7S, a strip chassis that powered the Morgan Olsen uh, Proxima body, the Proxima powered by Lee. Today we have a P7C, which is a different product based on the same re-corner technology. The re-corner technology, the drive by wire, stay by wire and break by wire 
is the same in the P7C. But you see behind you, what you saw last year, the P7S and the P7B Hawk trucks that we've announced earlier. So today we build class threes, four and five, fully flat, very, very modular design that allows us to build any configuration of a truck from a flat chassis to a cab chassis to any configuration of bodies on top of them all by wire. Why don't you take us just a little bit deeper, not too deep, but a little bit deeper into the cornering technology. That's really where you guys are different. Yes. And and I think you pack everything in, you know, uh, all the motors and everything. Why don't you just take us briefly through that if you could? Of course. Do, do you want to go and have a look at it? Uh, we could do that. Why don't we just pick this up and walk on over there? Over there. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay. And here we go. So now we can talk about a corner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So this is the rear corner, what you see here. You can come in. Yeah, whatever you, uh, you want to be. The rear corner is divided into two segments without going into too much of the details. We have the outer part, which is fully common. We'll go to that in a second. This is the more interesting part. This is the bi-wire technology. So it is steering, braking, and the rear EC, what drives it all. This basically is a full VIP. So you got a motor, any gear, and an inverter, all in one, a free wash. You got a bi-wire system for braking and steering, and it's all controlled by our own ECUs, the rear corner that sits in every corner. The corners are common. So you have the same corner, front and rear, left and right. Okay. So one piece. Yeah, so the idea being that this essentially opens up more floor space and allows you to have the full use of the vehicle rather than, what, like a center Exactly. Not only that, that we don't have a central axle, there's no drive shafts, there's nothing between the wheels. But more interestingly, because they're independent, we can place them anywhere we want in space and build a truck around them. Right. So we can change the wheelbase, the width, the line, anything you want. And it's, it has quick connectors, so you can slag it in and out in less than an hour. If there is a handle function we can't solve remotely by over-the-air updates, you just swap a corner like a Formula 1 change in less than an hour all this goes up comes back in quick connector high voltage low voltage thermal low touching no messing with anything just in out and it's done i remember when we went through last summer i really began to understand it. i wouldn't pretend to really get it except to say that it is uh something that stands out as unique right now and when i think about people like jeff osborne the analysts that cover you, yep. you know, they continue to believe that you've got something different that will stand up, maybe survive all of the the uh, carnage almost that's <laughs> happening out there, right? Uh, so we're really hoping that, you know, um, this explanation will help our, our viewers. From a commercial standpoint, you're working with the folks at, uh, at EVAX. You've got a lot of other partners. Let's talk a little bit about that because you're ultimately going to be kind of a manufacturing light operation. I mean, you're right. You know, so walk us through that a little. So what's important for us is that we, we, we don't want to compete. We want to complete. So we're not here to compete with the industry. We want to complete it and help everybody move forward. So we're working together with very large two ones like American Axle, Brandvo, with outfitters like the uh, uh, JPCO companies and others uh, to be able to bring our customers the best of all worlds, the best products, the best service, We've uh, been working together with uh, Hitachi Electric on charging. So we have a lot of partners around us that helps us to complete because it's very important to understand that in, in EV world, right, in, in electric vehicles, it's not just about the vehicle itself. It's about the infrastructure, the charging, the service, and so on and so forth. Because without it, you can't just put this to work. Somebody needs to, to be able to charge it, maintain it, etc. So we've been building for the past year a very large network of partners around us, everybody from uh, component is, uh, a partner of us to top hat partners of us to help us build a full product to the market, which we will be starting to deliver this year. So in just a few months, we're going to start delivering the first products out there. And that, and that first product, again, we're talking US now, or are we talking, yes, yeah, okay. And that first product will be the P7, what, C? Or All of them. All of them, okay. The P7S, C, and B. And is this Austin? Is that where you're planning? Austin, Texas? Is that Essentially, we will be producing the first batches out of the UK. Mm -hmm. This is what we're launching, the first integration center. Uh, so the corners will be manufactured in the UK. And then essentially, we'll move the production to the US, where everything will be made here. Okay. Um, 
customer-wise, are you adding customers as you go now? What, what's happening with that? So demand is, is really strong. You see a lot of demand. Uh, and of course, although the U.S. incentives, financial incentives help, it's very important to understand that you can't rely on business case on the incentives. You have to be capable of yourself. It's a very good fire starter, if you'd like. Sure. But it's not sustainable. So we're drawing a very, very strong demand now. And it's more important for us to very carefully handpick our customers. One, because we believe that if you handpick the customers, you deliver proper product on time, on quality, and on price, then this is the proper way of scaling as opposed to just committing we, we live in a world of numbers, and so it's important to get a sense. When you talk about launch, you don't launch at scale. You launch something, right? So so are we talking 10, 15, 20 charts? What are we talking about? So I think numbers-wise, we'll leave it to the coming earning call. Uh, this is what we want to talk about, the numbers. But I think what you said is, is very accurate. Uh, nobody orders well, at scale from the get-go. It just doesn't exist. You have to deliver initial fleets. You have to deliver initial orders. You may have to make sure that the customers love it. And then they just keep on orders. And this is exactly what we're doing now. We're, we have very large fleets and partners that have ordered from us. We see a very, very strong potential from them in terms of scanning up. And what we're very focused on doing now is delivering the first one to them, together with a very unique and capable product team. That is going to be delivering those products, teaching. Would you, would you think of these initial products as, as test units or are these true production units? How do you, how do you, so they're production units, but they're test fleets. Okay. So they're fully production units. They're going to be off the production line and they're going to be tested with the customer. Remember, some of the customers need a few weeks to test it and some need a little bit more. Each customer has its own unique acceptance uh, procedures but to all of them it's all all the same at the end where if they like the product I have to ask this because it didn't come up before um, in terms of crash testing and things like that how do the uh, how do the quarters hold up in uh, in the crash test that's a very good question so actually we've taken crash requirements to a really different scale so although crash requirements for class 3 and up are not as strict as crash requirements for one and two passenger vehicles, we've decided to adopt the passenger crash requirement into our design. Okay. So we meet the highest standards and actually the corners have very good uh, protection to the driver and to the passengers in that. Because you've got a lot of, um, I don't know if it's steel or iron or what that is, but the substance of that is not weak in that's that's a good point right because it's not a matter of strength it's a matter of how do you absorb the energy like what you want to do is to be able to absorb a certain amount of energy right reduce the g-force and protect the drive sure so you've got to uh, the idea of acid car standards and obviously so are you uh well along in that like yeah uh, of course it's in the design that you see now we've developed a, uh energy absorbing zones and crash zones that allows us to yeah. uh, uh, handle crash but not only that also, the chassis itself designs for that. So, for example, the battery is between the uh, middle bit. That's fully protected. And everything outside of that means is uh, no bolt, no sacrificial parts that we can easily replace right, in the case of an accident. Right. I have to ask you because most of my guests recently have been startups, as you are. And uh, I don't know. I didn't look. I should have. Uh, how's your cash? Are you in good shape to... Continue a runway for a while, or God, that, that's a. <laughs> you're asking the right questions today. Yes, we are. So fortunately enough, we've been very, very disciplined in our cash spending. We've spent out of budget of last year significantly. Uh, we have a very uh, disciplined budget for this year. We have ample cash for more than two years down the road, so that gives us enough time um, to, you know concentrate on delivering the right vehicle to the right customer and scaling that up. Right. Uh, and we're very fortunate. So I heard on hard work. Daniel, I heard you say a two year runway. Yes. Basically. So that's a, that's better than many. Uh you know, do you think you need to go back to the capital markets to get some I would assume we would. 
like everybody else, right? We would assume we would, right? But we don't have to do it today. And I think this is a very important, you know, distinction in the market. But it's a little bit tough market these days. We think we have enough time to build the business a little bit more, see the actual demand, see the actual commitment, post the uh, uh, test fleet deliveries. And then with that, come back to the market and say, this is what we've got. This is what we need. And got it. We're going to stop right there. Thank you for being part of Truck Tech Much this week uh, here at the uh, at, at Advanced Clean Transportation Expo, ACT Expo. Uh, big show, obviously, and uh, a lot of noise. I hope the audience heard us well. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, guys, that's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed it as much uh, as we enjoyed preparing it and bringing it to you. Um, drop us a line. Let us know. You can get me at aadler at freightwaves.com. You can rewatch this episode at tv.freightwaves.com, or you can catch this on your favorite podcast on Apple or Spotify. Uh, next week, we'll be back, and we hope you will be too. Thank you so much. 